We're in the transformation series, okay? And just a little review. We've been reading out of Romans chapter 12. How many remember? And we know that the key word there is not conform and transform. There's a God pattern for our lives, but the world has a pattern that they want to put on our lives. So, so there's a struggle. There's a tension. There's a battle as to, well, what should we be like? And really, for us to walk and step into the purpose of God in our lives, not the purpose of the world in our lives, we need to change ourselves. There needs to be a metamorphosis, like the caterpillar that turns into a butterfly. It's not just dressing differently. It's an internal renewing. It's, a, it's something that happens on the inside out that changes you so that way you are in the ready state that allows you to live and walk into the presence of God for you, okay? So the purpose of God for you is the most fulfilling place in your life. Can I get an amen? That's what this series is about, and we're going into a different area when Pastor Derek comes back. He's going to be speaking to you about different stories in the life of David. It's an amazing series. Are you guys having fun in this series? Are you learning something out of this series? It's, it's, it's seriously something that can impact your life that you can apply today. So pay attention. Take notes because Pastor D always says, I always botch that one. But I remember last time I did that, I was like, yeah, history makers are planet shakers or something. And everybody's like throw, throwing tomatoes at me. So you know, note-takers are history makers. They got that. Transform your thoughts. How? By capturing toxic thoughts, okay? So in my intro, I just want to go over this real quick with you. Do you ever wonder what people are really thinking? Like when you walk into a room, what they're really thinking of you. <laughs> and you can see that their facial expressions are changing. And not for the better. And so you're getting very curious. I wonder what this person is thinking about me. What if you had that ability to know what people are truly thinking? We would like to say yes to that gift. But the truth is, if you had that power, you would be an unhappy person. <laughs> Imagine if your thoughts could play on a TV and we could all see what you're thinking. I'm telling you, your life would never be the same. Not for the good, though. So we have that thing. What are people really thinking about what if you could see their thoughts the truth is it's easy to be unaware everybody say that unaware, unaware. because the mind has two parts 80 percent is unconscious 20 percent is conscious what we're doing right here this conversing this talking this is 20 percent of your brain power of your mind's power most of the thinking happens in a place where your mind tells you nothing about isn't that dangerous so it's very easy for you to not be aware of what you're really thinking about and not even knowing. What are you saying, Pastor? There's two personalities in me? No, there's the unconscious mind and the conscious mind. How many get that? Say yes. So as we transition through this, I want you to be more present in your thought life. And I want you to understand how powerful thoughts really are. In fact, there was an author. His name was Napoleon Hill. And he wrote a book on how to get rich. And no, I'm not going to talk about that book. But... If you want to learn how to get rich, talk to John Dudley. <laughs> I'm kidding. <clears throat> he said that thoughts are things because he understood the power of thought life. In life, your thoughts have value. And I think they have more value than you realize. In fact, how you think determines the meaning you give to situations. And how you give meaning 
gives you emotion. The emotion you have really controls how you behave. And how you behave over time sets habits in your life. <clears throat> when that happens, behavior over time becomes habits, and habits define your characters. Do you see where it all stems from? So that's why it's important if we're going to talk about transformation and we're going to speak about you know, how we can change, thought life has to be one of the topics that we speak about. So we're going to talk about that today. So the big idea is it's really the thought that counts. And I know that some of us try to say that to our wives, and it doesn't work very well. But in God's economy, okay, this is where this is valid. It's really the thoughts that count. How you think has the power to determine your emotional home. Now watch this. Look at me for a sec. <clears throat> Inventory your week from last Sunday to this Sunday. Skip the thoughts about encounter where you went loose and you just went knocked out by the Holy Ghost. But throughout the week, how many were encountered, by the way? Raise your hand. Amen. Was that amazing or what? God came down. Hallelujah. And the, and the shoes came off. Everybody saw my blue socks. When we look at how we think, it really determines our emotion. What emotion do you really feel the most? When you take inventory, where are you most of the time? Is it frustrated? Is it happy? Is it joyful? Is it exciting? Is it anxious? Is it depressing? Is it angry? Is it, is it nervous? Whatever emotion you feel, now this is powerful. Remember this, okay? Only you, yep, I'm putting it on you, can determine how something makes you feel. So if you're feeling a certain way for a long period of time and it's consistent and there's frequency in your life about that, it's because of your thought life, not because of the external world. We like to say that, well, I feel like that because they treated me like that, because they said this, because they cut me off. It's really because you came into that situation and your thought life gave it a meaning and it created an emotion. You are in control. This is why when we focus on what happens in us more than what happens to us, we will be fulfilled as human beings because now we are no longer victims and living life by default. We're live in life by design and we're following the voice of God in our lives and not the world do you follow that so it's not about throwing a pity party for pity party for yourself it's about taking that control back and understanding that you can have dominion over your over your mind in fact that's what God spoke to us when he generated and created humanity in Genesis chapter 1 he said go rule over and have dominion over this world you can only have dominion of things when you have dominion of self I thought that was good <laughs> not in the notes though thank you Holy Ghost so the history of the brain comes against us, of the mind, per se, because this thing, everybody go like this. There you go. I see you not doing it, Jody. Come on now. <laughs> Do it. Obey. <laughs> <clears throat> it's been around, some scientists say, for like two million years. And it's helped us, and it's served us quite a bit. But the thing is, it may not serve us today going forward because we're out of survival state. So in the history of humanity on this planet, the brain has helped us with two basic codes, two basic rules. Move away from pain and move towards pleasure. Exactly. Some of us would like to move towards pleasure more so. 
And that's okay. But these two rules have been what has kept humanity alive versus other species on this planet. And the number one rule that put those codes into effect is this one. Always look for what is wrong. Even when you came in here today, before you sat down, when you raised your hand, your brain unconsciously, it was looking at what, what, what is wrong, what is wrong, what is wrong, what is wrong, what is wrong. And that was a good thing because it's keeping you from falling. It's keeping you from not sitting in your seat and sitting on the floor and missing that. So it, it, the, the, the ability of the brain to always look for what's wrong, it helps protect you. But the protection that you have now is no longer needed. So you need to understand that your brain is doing this so that you can break through to what God wants for you today. Or else it is very easy for you to stay in a pessimistic mindset where you're always focusing on what's wrong. It's good to know what's wrong so that you can move away from those things and learn and evolve. But it's not good to focus on the things that aren't happening. What is good is to focus on the things that God is doing, what is working, the positive, so that way your mind can be healthy. Can I get an amen? amen. Hallelujah. Are you getting anything out of this? Yes. So let's add some Bible to it because some of y'all are like, Where'd you, what, what book are you reading? It's called the Bible. Proverbs chapter 23 verse 7 in the NASB version. I always want to do that. I'm sorry. I've always wanted to do that. New American Standard Version. For as he thinks within himself, so he is. A lot of motivational speakers and self-help gurus literally steal this from the Bible, package it a different way, and make millions. God help them. It's in the Bible for free for you today, okay? As you think, so you are. What parts of the Bible work? The parts that you believe. What kind of anointing comes over your life? The type that you believe exists. What happens in your life? What you believe to be true. What will become of me? What you think of you. It's so powerful. Look at what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. If you look at this, I don't know if it's in your notes, but uh, verse, chapter 5, verse 23, it says, Sanctify your whole spirit, soul, and body. Right here, we understand that the mind is not alone in that carcass. There's a spirit. Everybody say spirit. spirit. There's a, a body. Okay? Now watch this. The spirit is the God nature in you. Okay? The body is the flesh nature in you. And then the, the, there's a mention here of, of soul. And so the, the original word there is suke. Okay? Everybody say suke. Give this name to your next child. Suke. This word means mind in translations. So there's three parts. One that pulls us towards God. One that pulls us towards ourselves. And so in the middle, you have the soul. You have the emotional center, the intellectual reasoning. This is where the battle is. That's why I wanted to teach you that because the battle happens in the, in the mind. So then, if you understand that the battle is in the mind... You need to fight the battle where the battle is. And so you need to go into your mind. I know humans are great with technology, and, and we can go to the moon, and, and we, can, we can dictate the, 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 the second that the, that, that, that space shuttle will land on the moon, but sometimes we, can't, we can travel so far into space, but we have such a hard time traveling into our own mind. So understand how powerful your thoughts are. Understand them. Identify them. And make your thoughts count. Many of life's battles, church, many of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. 
I wonder how you're winning. I wonder how you're faring. So I have a couple of topics that I want to talk to you about today. And number one is this. I hope this will help. This should be in your worship guides. If you don't have a worship guide, grab one right now. <laughs> Ushers, be at the ready. Throw pens this time. You don't have to pass them out because they missed it. <laughs> number one is identifying and rejecting toxic thoughts. For you to be able to have to some control over what you're thinking, you need to be aware. So identifying has a lot to do with that. Identify what is going through your mind, and then what is toxic, you reject. We're going to go through this, but look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. I'm going to read it to you. Carefully guard your thoughts. This is biblical, y'all. You thought this was Pastor Chris's opinion the whole time. Ha! It's in a Bible. So here we go. Chapter 4, verse 23. Carefully guard your thoughts because they are the source of true life. I told you I knew what I was talking about. This is where you need to fight. Now, how though? Like, pastor, teach me how can I really guard my life against negative thoughts? Well, we need to understand that if we're going to fight in the right place, we also need to fight with the right weapons. I mean, I wouldn't want you going into a war with an arrow and everybody else has machine guns. What are your chances, right? So. If you're going to go into a battle, if you're going to fight for your family, if you're going to fight for yourself, if you're going to fight for joy, for purpose, for success, you need to go into it with the right weapons, okay? I think battles are won not so much because of strategy. Strategy is important, but what is included in strategy is what weapons are you using? If you're going to go use your mighty left hook and they got a sledgehammer, uh, I don't know if you're equipped the right way. And so look at what it says in the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. Can I get an amen? amen? All right, let's stop right there. So yelling back isn't going to help. So reacting to traffic in transit that way isn't going to help. So if you take things into your own hands, it's not going to help. If you put it all on you, I can do, I can do, I, that's not going to work. Anything that's of this world will not work in the spiritual realm. So if it's a spiritual battle, you need to fight it with spiritual weapons. Now look at this. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Everybody say strongholds. strongholds. This is a tricky word. I want to unpack it for you. The word stronghold is akamora. I hope I pronounced that right. If this is online, forgive me. That's what I think. That's what I, well, I, was, what I was taught. So Akamora is a prisoner locked by deception. Everybody say deception. deception. The problem with deception is it's deceiving. <laughs> I've always wanted to say that too. There, bucket list. It's deceiving. A lot of people would hear this word stronghold, and maybe you didn't have a real understanding, but... Um, when I looked into it and studied with it, me and Pastor, we were talking about this word. This is what it means. It's not only a fortress or a place that imprisons you, but in the way that it imprisons you is important because it locks you up through deception. What's another word for deception? Lies. That's right. Lies. It locks you up through lies. Now watch this. It's important for you to understand this, okay? In other words... Their lies, well, where do these lies come from? The Bible says that 
Satan is the father of lies, and sometimes we come up with lies ourselves. But why do we believe these lies? Have you ever stopped to ask yourself these questions? I think that's also a great exercise. Stop this week at some point and ask yourself questions about what you're feeling. Ask yourself questions. Why did I think that? Why did I give it that meaning? Why am I feeling this way right now? If you ask yourselves better questions, you'll get better answers. Now watch this. What's interesting is this. We believe these lies. The reason is it's because these lies, they protect us temporarily. Like, I'll never get married again. I have no respect for authority anymore. We do that because of that old subconscious thinking that's trying to move us away from pain. Every emotional reaction that you have, did you know that it is exactly your brain's defense mechanism for you? It is protecting you, and that's why you've learned it. Some kind of experience, some kind of event in your life has allowed your subconscious mind to create a rule for it so that it would protect you. So maybe in a relationship, just to give you an example, you were hurt, you were betrayed, and that brought a lot of pain into your life. So what does your mind do? Your mind creates a rule that protects you. I will never trust anybody ever again. That'll protect you from that pain, yes or no? But the wall that protects you is the wall that imprisons you. Do you see that? Do you see that? And so it requires us to look at the rules that we've made in our lives that are really lies that have temporarily locked us out of other things in life. Now, what, look at what it says. Let's continue here. 2 Corinthians 10.5, we demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive. What do we do in the beginning? Take captive. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I know that you can probably say to me this morning, well, I don't have to do this, Pastor Chris. What is that? What are you about to faint? What are you out of breath? No, I'm telling you that I've, I've studied a lot of what actually stays in your memory. And just writing your notes helps, but if you add a ritual to it, it'll permanize it. I just made, that, made, made up that word. Someone watching, add that to the dictionary because permanize is now a word. That sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Every thought to make it obedient to who? Christ. To Christ. Not yourself, not what you've learned, not your degree base, not your experience. Just because you're successful in a black belt in certain areas doesn't mean that you take your thought life and you measure it up to your standard. Your, th- your standards can deceive you without you knowing. This is why every thought that you think, you must bring it up to the knowledge and make it obedient to who? Christ. To Christ. To Christ. Now, this is going to be interesting. Let's have some fun here. I'm going to ask you some questions, and you can participate. This will be fun. What kind of thoughts are you prone to? We're all prone to certain things, yes? Some of us have different kinds of thoughts. Other, others are, are, are susceptible to other kinds of thoughts. And, and I don't know you, but I'll be honest in some of these. But um, when we look at the kind of thoughts that we're prone to, negative thoughts are some people's ability to be it, it, it's some, it, it, negative thoughts is, is where people default to. Some people default to. And as I, as I go through these, 
if at the end of it, I'm going to ask, do you think this is you? And, you know, just raise your hand and put it back down. Nobody's watching. Nobody's watching, Framingham. We're recording it from the back. I got you. No, nobody's going to watch, okay? Nobody's going to expose this. But it's good. So that way you're, you're exercising the identification, right? Because you can't solve a problem that you don't believe you have, right? If you go to the doctors and he says, hey, it looks like you have this. No. No, I don't. <laughs> like, you're not going to get the medicine if you don't believe. So, so just trust me as we go through this. If you see yourself in this, we're going to have some fun. It's going to be fun. If you see yourself in this, raise your hand when I ask, okay? And trust me, you won't be alone. If, you're, if when I ask, if you're the only person that raised your hand, I will throw my computer into the crowd. <clears throat> so here we go. Negative thoughts. It sounds like this. I don't measure up. Uh, why, is, why does everyone else seem to get breaks but but I don't why do they get to be happy but but I don't you know it won't work like we're all gonna die like do you know these people like we're all gonna die anyways don't save the planet we're all gonna die no one appreciates me no one gives me no one notices me you know people take me for granted what you know when when they ask that question that classic question right like about you know is the glass half full or is the glass half empty? This person comes in and says, that glass is about to leak. <laughs> like, like, could you be any more negative? Like, that wasn't even the question, and you had a problem with the cup. Oh, my goodness. I digress. Breathe, Pastor. Life isn't fair. It's just not fair. Everybody irritates me. Pastor Deach. <laughs> oh, he's not here. Good. I won't do that. <laughs> So now be honest, Framingham, be honest. How many of you are prone to that? Raise your hand. A lot of you, a lot of you. All of, all of Framingham, I'm kidding. That's good, that's good. Okay, let's go into the next one. Fearful thoughts. These thoughts are like, the economy is so bad. I'm gonna lose my job. The, the company's gonna go bankrupt. I'm so old now that I just tapped myself out of the market. No one's gonna hire me if I get fired. I'm afraid what my kids are going to grow up to be like. Am I being a bad parent? This is actually me. Um, am I, I'm afraid my daughter will marry someone that's not a Patriots fan. <laughs> I'm afraid of getting cancer. Um, my health, oh my goodness, I've been healthy for a while. I, I wonder if, if it's, if, is that too good to be true? I'm going to go to the doctor. There has to be something wrong. And, and uh, you know, I'm, am I going bald? That's me. Get the right light here, Deej, so they don't see the... Why am I not married yet? I'm so afraid. You know what? Maybe it's too late for me. I'm, I'm just going to have to settle. Brett, you don't have to settle, brother. I got you. I live alone. I'm afraid someone's going to break in at night. Is someone going to steal my car? Oh, my goodness. I am so afraid. My wife is late coming home 20 minutes, even though she's always late. I, I think she ran off with the guy from Market Basket. Um, <laughs> or she got into an accident and she died a horrible death screaming my name. Uh, Who's going to raise all these kids now? Oh, my goodness. No one will marry me with all these kids. Uh, why am I chubby? <laughs> it's like fear, bro. There's so much fear. How many of you have fear, are prone to fearful thoughts? Raise your hand. Okay. Some of you are double takes. That's okay. God loves you, and so do I. This is the other one. Discontented. You guys having fun? Discontented. This is a big one, especially through millennials. So if you're a millennial, take notes. So I, I, I'm discontented. I don't like my body. It's funny because before the, the fast, a couple of close friends would come up to me and say, man, you look chubby. You're overweight. 
And then after the fast, after the fast, they're like, you look like a zombie. You're so skinny. You're ugly. I'm like, I can never please anybody with myself. You know what? I'm, the world, we're all going to die. <laughs> you know, some people, they, they look like Michelangelo sculpted the, their body, and still they're like, I'm just, I don't like myself. They look in the mirror, and they're not happy. I can't be happy unless I'm dating someone. Rules that you create. Really? Does that, is that what you defined? as happiness. You know, maybe I, I married the wrong person. I'm discontented. I wish my husband was more like that guy. Don't, don't elbow anyone, by the way, in these moments. I wish my husband was, was a better leader. I wish my wife would nag and nag, 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 nag. So don't say amen right now. Um, I wish we had kids. I wish we had different kids. You know, these ones are driving me crazy. You know what Christian is doing right now, my little boy? He's about 19 months, and, and he's learned how to roll his eyes at people. I don't know where he learned this from. I don't roll my eyes. And then, like, people will come up to him, and they'll be like, oh, he's so cute. He's such a cute little baby. And then he'll look at them, and he'll be like, I'm like, where did you learn that little man? And then at home, whenever he doesn't get food, he's obsessed with food. I think he gets that from his mother. He like, where else? And, and, and so if, if you don't give him food, he will throw this huge tantrum. He will go to every place that his little arms can reach, and he'll throw everything on the floor, screaming like, ah, yeah. And then he'll run into the other room and then throw everything on the floor. He'll go into the kitchen, try to reach the table. And, and I'm, going, I'm following him. I'm like, I'm like, son, don't do that. I'm like, son, don't throw things on the floor. That's glass. Son, that's the remote control. He broke the control, by the way. And I'm watching him, and I'm going through every room. He's throwing everything on the ground, and I'm coming to this conclusion. I don't think this little boy is saved. I'm like, I'm like, and then at night, this happened last night, I kid you not, I was, I was praying over him, he's having a hard time to sleep, and I'm like, Lord, give him rest, the peace that exceeds all understanding. And then he starts to growl like a lion, because I had taught him that. I'm like, this isn't the moment for that, we're not playing. I'm like, he's too young to be possessed. I'm like, should I? Lord! I'm kidding. And I'm watching my kids and I'm like, Am I, is that my fault? Is that her fault? And, and we become discontented because some things get out of our control. And, you know, sometimes we want a better house. Uh, even at my house, if you ever come visit, I don't have a parking lot. I have a mud pool. So wear boots. And we, we, we wish for a better house, you know, and a walk-in closet and a boat inside the closet and a jet ski right there. Because we're never content with these things and a tank to drive instead of a car and a helo pad on the roof. And so in short, we create these rules that say, I can't be happy unless I or when I. Listen to me. Look at me for a second. In all seriously, that's not a word. In all seriousness. How can you be serious after that? <laughs> these rules that you have created are a joke. That's why I made this fun, because I want you to understand that the rules that you're making are a joke, because it's always when or if, and it's always in a place way out there. And let me give you a practical example, and we'll go back into the Bible. A lot of people in the, at the beginning of the year, they set themselves up to lose weight, and they want to be more healthy, amen? But look at the rules that they set for themselves. They say, um, I'll be happy with my body when, and then they, they attach like this goal which is, uh, you know, when I lose like 30 pounds. And then they never lose 10 pounds. And then they set them up to th themselves to fail because they never feel healthy. So they can't get healthy. 
with your thought life. You can't live in a <clears throat> when or if rule book. You have to change it. You have to change it to an anytime and or or mentality. So that way you can feel what you want before you get to the place that, you're get, want, that you want to get to. This is why the Bible says that we should meditate on these things, on what the Bible says. Because when you meditate, it allows you to feel the thing that you want to get to. It's not about now. It's about feeling a certain way in God so that you can reach to that destination in God. Does that make sense? So change your rules. Make it easier for you to feel a certain way. I changed my rules for health. It's not when I lose a certain amount of weight. I've changed it differently now and I, I say you know I will feel healthy every time or anytime I respect my body or anytime I'm conscious of of what I'm eating or anytime I exercise or anytime I do something that requires effort this way I'm feeling healthy even though I haven't lost 30 pounds is this helping you on a practical level last one but not least and then we'll we'll go to a close is critical thoughts wait before how many of you are discontented raise your hand have that as a uh, okay you're prone to that okay that's good what you can identify you can now try to solve no critical thoughts all my judges in the room, get ready, get ready. And yes, I am a Holy Ghost-inspired teacher. This is just a little fun. Critical thoughts. I would never wear that. I bet you looked at someone today when they came in the church, and you said to yourself, can you believe the way she is dressed in the house of God? And whenever you have that critical thought, you say God in like the, 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 the old English, middle age English, because you think that makes it, you know, true or something. And then when you talk about you, it's like God, and then Bostonian accent, but then when it's critical, it's God. I bet they don't even th tithe. I didn't like that worship set today. It was too old. We need some newer stuff. I didn't like that worship set today because it's too new. <laughs> It's too worldly. It's too loud. Where are the hymns? Bring the hymns back. How many people know people like that? Raise your hand. That was a trick question. If you raise your hand, you are the critical ones. I see you and God sees you. It's bad. Critical thinking can take over. Remember Archie Bunker? How many remember Archie Bunker? I don't like these people. I don't like this coffee. I don't like this building. I don't like this world. It's the critical thought. But look at what it says. Look at what it says in the Bible. Philippians 2. If you are the critical type person, raise your hand so I can see you. Amen. That's okay. Most of you raised your hand before. <laughs> Philippians 2.5 in the NASB. Have this attitude. If you go back later and read the full context, it's talking about the attitude and the mind of Christ. Okay. So if it's saying have this attitude, it means that we can have it. It's not an automatic. We need to have it. And so it's really about focus and disassociation. I'm going to say that as I begin to get to the last part of the message. It's all about focus and disassociation. I'm going to give you an example so that you have this to ponder on. Maybe you won't forget this illustration. You may forget the message. How many of you know or have ever seen a hummingbird? How many of you have ever seen a vulture? Okay, not, not, of a, not many, but a few. There's a difference. They're both birds, right? But they both, they're different types of birds because of what they focus on. So 
a hummingbird, he flaps his wings like, you know, a bajillion times per second. Like, and he flies around and he goes into different flowers and he's so cute and and he finds the the, the sweet things. That's what's interesting about the hummingbird. But but the vulture, he's kind of different. The vulture, he he's still seeking for something. He's got bigger wings, takes longer to take off and he flies like this and he's looking below and he's looking for something also. Two birds, but they're focusing on two different things and and it's looking for what? It's looking for dead things. So, so the hummingbird is looking for something that is sweet, and he finds it. And every day, the vulture seeks to find something that is dead, and the vulture finds it. So the principle really is this. You will find what you are looking for. In Jeremiah chapter 12, it says, Yet you know me, the Lord says. You see me and test my thoughts about you. Drag them off. Look at, how, look at how strong that is, that language. Drag them off. That's a strong uh, d- depiction. Like sheep to be butchered. Set them apart for the day of slaughter. The things that you focus on that don't serve you, you need to drag them off. So it's about focus and disassociation. Focus on God and drag off the things that don't measure up to the word of God. It's about disassociation. It's about focus and disassociation. It's about remove and replace. So let's get practical real quick. It's about replacing toxic thoughts with God's word. If something comes into your mind and it's not from God, I want you to reject and then replace. Then guess what happens? It says in Philippians chapter 4, Verse, verse 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, <clears throat> think about such things. The Bible is telling us to focus on what is good. Focus on what is positive. Now, hold up. I want to make a big difference here because secular society has something called positive thinking or motivation. This is where Christianity diverges from that teaching. And I'll use this, I'll use this example just so you have it, okay? Positive thinking It's like when it snowed a couple weeks ago. Do you remember that? And there was so much snow in your driveway. It's like you going out there in your pajamas and you're like, the snow is going to go away. 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 The snow's still there. You need to call Sam Tickshare and help him take your snow out. That's positive thinking. Let me give you this other example. If someone gives you a check and they have a high amount on there, And then you take the check and you're like, I hope this doesn't bounce. I hope this goes through my account. That's positive thinking. Positive thinking is different than faith. Faith is this. You know who wrote the check. You trust who wrote the check. And you know before you cash it that you can spend that money because there's trust and faith because you know who wrote it. You see the difference? Faith and positive thinking. And so the Bible is asking us to focus on what's positive, but you have to keep your faith separate from that teaching. And so it's, 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 a, it's a little teaching that I like to use, which is you need to overseed your mind 
so that way with God's word so that you can overwhelm the, the, the toxic thoughts. That's how it works in landscaping. All my landscapers in the room know this. If you try to go into your yard and pull out every weed, you're going to have a hard time. But if you just overseed with real stuff, with truth, then what happens is what is good, what is excellent will overgrow what is toxic. Does that make any sense to anybody? So I'll end with this. This is actually the verse of the series, and I want to end with with the reading of it. I want to make sure you get this. If you have your Bible open, I would ask you to highlight this part. Do not confirm to the patterns of this world, but be transformed, metamorphous, by the renewing. That word renewing right there, I'm going to explain it to you in just a second. Then you will be renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The word that I want to emphasize is renewing. Equinosis, a renewal, a renovation to make better than new. That's why reject and replace. Put and think thoughts that are better. When you have a bad thought that comes through your mind, transform it into a better thought. Instead of thinking, why am I not love? Ask the better question. How can I take even more advantage of the love that I already have? Do you see how that's a better and new question, new thing? So I want to end by just teaching you this real quick. So it's about catching, okay? Then it's about control your emotions, and it's about choosing life. So please indulge this pastor and do this with me. Put your notes aside, Framingham, put your pens down, and I want to teach this before we end. Everybody go like this, capture. Okay, put your hands down. I say capture. Every time you have a toxic thought, go like this, capture. And then go like this, control. Control. Capture. Control. Capture. Control. Choose life. Capture. Control. Choose life. Capture toxic, toxic thoughts. Control your emotions. If you're a man and you like to work out, you can... You know, really go hard with that. <laughs> Register these things in your spirit. And then choose life is you accept and exercise the will of God through scripture. You accept what God has to say about it, not your opinion or the circumstance or society. If you could stand with me this morning, if Pastor Jerry could come up at the Framingham campus, we'll begin to close.